Ah, oh, this is great. Just doing some scuba diving down the deep ocean. Wow. That's one of those really rare blobfishes. Hey, done. Oh. <laughs> Luke, I thought you were a blobfish. <laughs> I haven't put my wetsuit on yet. Oh. <laughs> like, we could have put some undies on at least. <laughs> Bloody hell. We are back for another What's That About? Yes, we are. I was full of enthusiasm, vim and vigour, and then I had absolutely nothing to say after that. Uh, your vim could have been higher. Yeah. Not a lot of vim. Plenty of, too much vim, if anything. Plenty of vigour. <laughs> now, before we get into the deep sea topic, you've had a little bit of a different week. You've gone down with COVID and spent an entire week staring at the wall. How has that been? Yeah, look, it was rough. I mean, not rough because I was really sick, but just being in isolation yet again for another week, uh, no good. No good. What was the what was the moment where you reached your lowest low? I reckon my lowest low was beginning of the week. I'm like, right, don't feel great. I don't want to just sit and watch TV all day. I'm going to do something. I'm going to be proactive. So I got a puzzle brought over for me, thousand pieces. Classic. And, classic. Uh, yeah. Look, I don't know who likes puzzles out there, but they are rubbish. <laughs> so basically, it's like a thousand pieces. I've spread it out all over my floor and... It's like I'm cleaning it up, but I'm just stretching out the cleanup over like five days. It's like really, I would, it's like I'm mopping the floor for five days is what it feels like. It's an incredibly slow and careful pickup of a, yeah, a cleaner room. It's, it's like living life before vacuum cleaners were invented and you're just picking up, but you have to pick up the dust in order. That's what it feels like. It, I'm not enjoying it. And I have a feeling it's going to be on my floor for about six months. <laughs> I've had a few of those moments where I go to do a puzzle thinking, oh, old times, let's do a puzzle. Yeah. I get about seven pieces in and I'm bored. I can't handle a puzzle anymore. Ah, oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> Even the beginning, I, as soon as I'm trying to pick out the edges, I know, oh, I mean, out of my depth here. <laughs> Too many edges. <laughs> this is annoying. <laughs> but there's so many pieces. <laughs> um, absolutely. Uh, sounds like a hell of a week. Hell of a week. Yeah. You did, so that was, we did, <laughs> that was me. We did actually record a podcast recently. And mm. so we're kind of doing two back to back, which is pretty rare for us. You've had... Nearly seven days, sitting in a mm-hmm. room doing nothing. Mm. How far have you made it on the edit of that, that episode? I have not started the, uh, the episode, but I've been suffering from doing a puzzle. So <laughs> <laughs> That's been the big impediment, is the puzzle. Oh, just one thing before we crack into it. A new segment, Review Roundup, I'm calling it. <laughs> what? Review? Did you make that up on the spot? Just on the spot, just then. Review Roundup. That needs a little bit more brainstorming, but carry on. Uh, anyway, we want to do a drive. It's a review drive. And uh, to encourage people to review, because reviewing the podcast does help us. It gets us, we are once upon a time, we were in the charts at Yemen, and I'd love to get back there one day. <laughs> so doing review really helps us. You can jump onto iTunes. I think Spotify does reviews. There's a website called Podchaser. If you give us a review between now and the next episode, we will read it out live on air. What an incentive. Make it funny. Give us five stars. Give us one star. We'll read it out. But preferably give us five stars. But if you want, if you don't like us, then we'll still read it out. I don't It'll re- hurt, but we'll do it. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard anything less enticing than send us a review. Any number of stars will do. And you can appear on Review Roundup. <laughs> review Roundup. What's another name we could use? Um, 
Oh, how about this one? Room with a review. <laughs> Not bad. Room with a review. I like it. It's actually better. It is actually yeah. better. <laughs> okay. So give us a review. Make it funny uh, if you want. We'll read it out. Can we? Now, what a what a what a thrill for you guys. <laughs> Could we have a little sound uh, effect like we're opening the room with a creaky door and we're stepping into it to read the reviews? It's a room with a review. Yeah, good. Well, that's a little. Yeah, bit. yeah, good. I like it. Nice. Okay. Well, let's get on with the episode then. So this topic, Don. Now you let something slip before we started. Yeah. Uh, a little secret you've been harboring that you never told me about because you came on and said, "Geez, I'm I'm interested in this topic." Yeah. What else did you say? I just said that uh, it's the first topic I've been interested in in years. <laughs> not absolute years. Not a great comment on the show that this yeah. is the first well, look, thing we've looked at you've been interested in in years. Yeah, but you couldn't tell because I'm a professional. <laughs> That's how it is. It is. Nah, I've, I've obviously been uh, interested. My topic's a bit more than yours, but... This topic, that's fascinating. It's very interesting. Oh, the deep sea is bloody interesting. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to this one. Mm. The It does get a bit technical uh, when you get into some of the geology of the deep sea. Yeah, not that, usually like, what we're good at, the technical stuff. Co- yeah, conveying complex information is not our strength. <laughs> I mean, it's not our strength. Not our strength. Our strength. Our strength. <laughs> Speaking something else strong. Just, it's, it's not our strength. Yeah. That is fantastic. That's it's amazing about that. <laughs> that is brilliant. Imagine your resume. Yeah. <laughs> not strengths, strengths. Yeah. Strengths. <laughs> Punctual. Maybe it's a singular. Set. What are your strengths? Well, my first strength is... Uh... <laughs> so let's, because uh, it's not our strength, let's gloss over some of the more technical aspects and just talk about... Yeah. What did we find interesting? So we, let's kick off with a bit of a Don's Don's definition. The team are on holiday, I'm going to be honest. So I <laughs> had to fly solo. You're in isolation. The team have actually had to stay separate to you this week. So Yeah, we've been uh, social distancing. So I went, to, first of all, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to the dictionary for the definition. So what's the definition of deep sea? And it says, of, relating to, or occurring in the deeper parts of the sea. Thanks very much, dictionary. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Simple, elegant. Is wrong with that at all? The Don's definition team do work that we never really appreciated until now. You can't, you can't yeah, trust the that's dictionary. That's true. So I went to another definition place, and it's not much better. Basically, it says the deep ocean is generally defined as the depth at which light begins to dwindle, typically around two hundred meters. So it's that that which point at which which the sunlight doesn't penetrate the ocean, and it starts getting from light water to twilight water into dark water, where no light goes to, is the deep sea. That's right. But then I also found, I think there's differing definitions, which is, sure, that's our job. That's what we're meant to figure that out. <laughs> that's why it's in our strength. But another one said, the ocean de- it begins at the ocean depth of 1,000 fathoms. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Is fathoms common, pal? Fathoms? Are we like, is f- fathoms, which is one, it's 1,800 metres, essentially. That's- fathoms sounds like a word... That should have gone out the window with thruppence that's, and doubloons. That's like it doesn't. Uh, you know that voice, the old. Oh, I can't fathom the uh, <laughs> the amount of fathoms it takes to get to the deep sea. Like there's yeah, a little bit of I that just, about it. I know fathoms, but I, I think it's an actual I, unit of measurement for for the ocean. I, I read a, I read actually a few not only fathoms but even different meterages around when the deep sea kicks in. So it doesn't. I read a thousand meters most common, commonly. <laughs> Sorry, a thousand meters, not. A th- Thousand fathoms? No, no, thousand meters was the hmm. most common cutoff for the deep sea. But I did it yeah. did jump around a little bit. It jumped around a lot, which just goes to show 
not only do we know remarkably little about what's happening down there, but we can't even define what down there is. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, yeah. That's probably like the, the first global statement. The thing that amazes me about the deep sea is how not only how big it is, but how unexplored it is. It is apparently it's like 95% of the living space on earth and we've only yeah. explored about 5 to 15% of it. Like there it is We have no unknown. Idea. We don't we know. know we have better maps of the moon, oh sorry, of Mars than we do of of the deep sea. Oh, isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's ridiculous. That is that's fascinating. Very interesting. Now, there is a little bit of a treat here. Not only do we have a Don's definition that was actually made by Don, not the team. Yeah. You've been working on something a little special for this episode. Well, by working on, you mean cutting and facing from a website and uh, completely ripping it off. That is your strong. Then, that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely my strong. <laughs> All right. So this is a little, it's a little bit of, I'm creating a scene here about the deep, the deep sea and... I'm going to need a little bit of assistance, so let's just get some mysterious oceany music. Below the ocean surface is a mysterious world that accounts for over 95% of Earth's living space. It could hide 20 Washington monuments stacked on top of each other, or a single Don's penis, or 27 billion Luke penises. But the deep sea remains largely unexplored. As you dive down through this vast living space, you notice that light starts fading rapidly. By 650 feet, all the light is gone to our eyes, and the temperature has dropped dramatically. Dive deeper and the weight of the water above continues to accumulate to a massive crushing force. Any light still filtering down has diminished to appear completely black, leaving only animals and bacteria to produce the light found here. By 13,000 feet, the temperature hovers just below the temperature of your refrigerator. At this depth, we've reached the average depth of the deep sea floor, a place that may start to get a little muddy. The further we dive down from the surface, the less new food is available, making the fight to survive that much more challenging. Despite these harsh conditions, there is life, an astounding variety of creatures that will boggle your mind. Now, the website I ripped that off, using the word boggle doesn't help, does it? Why did they use the word boggle? Boggle. It boggle. It yeah. takes away a little of, the, little of the classiness of it. But It does. But that was that was beautiful. That was mm. that was bloody Don Attenborough. I need more of that in the future, please. That was excellent. That was good. That was great. Yeah. So, the deep sea, how good is it? Bloody good, Bloody I think. Good. Don't really know much about it. <laughs> the little I know. Bloody good. So, let's, let's, get, so let's get down to how deep is the deepest part of the ocean. The, so, my reading of it was, the average, I think as you said in that beautiful monologue, the average depth is about 3.5 kilometres, but the deepest point is 11 kilometres. And that's... Which is nuts. That that's is... so deep. Apparently, if you took uh, Mount Everest and dipped it in the ocean it still wouldn't touch the bottom of the deepest part, which is the Challenger Deep within the Mariana Trench. It That's is right. So, deep. so if Mount Everest was put in the ocean, in the Mariana Trench... Still a mile to the bottom. Yeah. A mile beneath us. We've read the same article. <laughs> now, once... <laughs> I remember once we went swimming, and you had some ill-fitting swimmers on, and you were showing a little bit of bum crack, and that crack seemed at least that deep. That's absolutely false. That is yeah. James Cameron was on the side of the pool getting a team together. <laughs> he, he was gonna. That's a great gonna explore. Explore that. Crack. <laughs> I ended up watching that James Cameron documentary. Did you? Which how was it? It was actually really interesting. So James Cameron, the guy that did the ti- Titanic, he did Avatar. What else has he made? Big big movie director. A- uh, Terminator Two. Terminator Two. Aliens, uh, I think. Yeah, massive. He now considers himself an adventurer or an explorer before he does a, a movie maker. 
And so he got in this little submarine with a team of scientists who built it. And then by himself, James Cameron went to the bottom of the ocean in the Challenger Deep. He's one of only three people to have ever gone to the bottom of the Challenger Deep. That's incredible. It's crazy. But I think it's less crazy than when they did it in the 60s. Oh, yeah. Where they went down and, you know, they survived. They went all the way down. I think it took them about five hours to get to the bottom of the Mariana Trench, the Challenger Deep. And the pressure, which is a massive factor, you know, you've got like, like I think if you go down 10 metres, then you've got another atmosphere of, uh, of pressure. Yeah. So going down 10 kilometres, you've got so much pressure on, on that little boat, that little submarine, yeah. to the point where the window cracked when they were at the bottom of the Mariana Trench. So they had to cut their time short there. Yeah. Um, they actually in the James frightening. in the James Cameron documentary they actually interview that guy that that went in the fifties or sixties mm. and he reckons there's this moment when the window cracked and they just held their breath and yeah. then the other guy said if we heard it crack it's not a problem because if it was a problem you wouldn't have heard it and would have been dead by now because the apparently the pressure down there is so immense it's effectively if you had a one ton truck on the end of your pinky finger. That, yeah. that is the pressure you're dealing with. So you just, you know, the second there's a, a, a crack in something like that that actually penetrates into the capsule, you're gone. It's You would just be torn apart instantly. It'll get crushed probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. But it was interesting that he was talking about, you know, you know, you kind of, they, people say things that you forgot you knew because mm. apparently the, the little capsule that they're in is... Well, memory is not your, memory is not your strong. <laughs> There's, a, there's like a sphere is what the shape they're in. And all the windows are circular because yeah. spheres and circles have no corners to create a weak point. That's why that, that's how they create the strongest structure, which I thought that was pretty cool. It's interesting that there was enough pressure for the window to crack. Now, the crack is obviously a massive weak point, yet it still didn't break at that point. Yeah, which that is, is surprising. Yeah. It was because when you, when you see James Cameron down there, he's literally at the bottom of the ocean all by himself. You were you were very anxious for him. He was so alone. It's almost like mm. so. It's like he was in space, effectively. He was that removed from civilization, but just in the other direction. Yeah, absolutely. Be very scary. I kind of feel like because he's a rich director and he probably funded it, that he he's less of an explorer. Because I don't know how much he had to do with. I reckon he just got his team of scientists to build it, and then he b- paid for it. Well, yeah, he went it, down to the bottom. The doco tried to make it look like he was almost. He was in charge running timelines and sorting out dependencies and certain bits of the build. And you could tell that the the technicians were getting a bit frustrated with him because he was asking them to do things that just weren't practical to do in the time they had. Yeah. Um, he was he was rubbing some people out the wrong way, I got the sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think you mentioned in your beautiful monologue, monologues are your strength, I think I'll, I'll say. I, mean, I think maybe they are. They're very good. Yeah. They're very good. Maybe they are. So... Apparently, it's like between one and four degrees temperature down the bottom of the ocean. So, obviously, it's not freezing temperature. Otherwise, it wouldn't be ocean. It would be ice. But one to four degrees. But then you have these thermal pressure points that can be like 700 degrees Fahrenheit. So, there's this really... Yeah, hydrothermal vents, which is basically, you know, deep down in the earth, they're just pushing out this super hot water during these... In these vents. Yeah, 400 degrees Celsius or 752 degrees Fahrenheit. That's crazy. But then within like a couple of meters, the water has cooled right back down to like two degrees. Yeah. Amazing. So the 
if the the boiling temperatures don't kill you, the pressure definitely will. Like you, you, you got gotten one way or the other. Yeah, but the fascinating thing is, so you got. It used to be thought that there was no no animal could live that far down. There's no sunlight. There's heaps of pressure. There's no food. They think because because stuff won't grow there because mm. there's no light. You need you need sunlight. So the animals down there they get food from two ways. One is something called marine snow, which sounds funner than it is. It's basically dead fish and maybe dead leaves or plants or something that slowly make their way down to the bottom. Mm. Um, and the other one is these hydrothermal vents. There's like minerals that get pushed out and there's whole, you know, there's like thriving colonies of shrimps and other organisms basically around these vents living off stuff. Um, I think there was one thing called hydrogen sulfide, which is toxic to pretty much all forms of life that we know of, except these things. So it's made scientists completely re-examine what is possible. And so they're Mm. examining things like Europa, one of Jupiter's moons. They're like, oh, gee, maybe there is life out there. Yeah. it's That was one of the other points I found so interesting about how, you know, for hundreds of years, we're like, oh, you need photosynthesis for things to, to, to grow and live. And then they discover all these creatures in the bottom of the ocean. And you're like, oh. That's wrong. Like, we were wrong about that. What else would we be wrong about? Like, I just think that's yeah. really interesting. And then when you Are see you these... segueing into UFOs well, again? There's, uh, <laughs> it's never far from you. It's never far from Without the Without a word of a lie, that was in the back of my head as I was saying that. <laughs> I bet. I bet it was. Yeah, but to be fair, it's in the back of your head when you're saying anything. Like, yeah, it's never far from, never far did, from the mind. This is not about UFOs, but it, it is related to discoveries of science. A quick side point. You can edit this out mm. if you like. Oh well, <laughs> I might actually need a little bit of music under this. Just give us a little bit of a bit of lift uh, to this. What sort of music, John? Uh, maybe give us a uh, thoughtful bit of classical. Okay, that that should fit the bill. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> when you think about the evolution of of uh, our species and how we got to where we are, and when we were little, you know, microcelled organisms through to little fish through to little. Like our understanding of the world was limited by our what our senses could take in, and so when we were a little cell, we didn't have any awareness, and then when we were a little tadpole, we only had sensory awareness, and it kind of evolves to the point that we we think we're at the point of the end of our evolution, even though we know we're not, and so yeah. we only understand the limits of our current senses and consciousness, and then in another ten thousand years, we're going to be understanding and seeing things that we can't currently understand but i don't think we really appreciate that in the present times no you, you never would i think yeah so that was that was worth it okay yep, uh, thanks for that <laughs> <laughs> that was totally worth it um okay next thing on the list what else did you find interesting um just the amount of all well, the biology down there or just, it's just if you, i reckon everyone does this now Go to a computer and just Google deep sea fish and you're going to see some crazy stuff. It's a jungle of horrors. It is a jungle of horrors down there. (laughs) It's unbelievable. It's like, it's crazy. What was your favourite? No. What was your favourite? There was a particular shark that had like this jaw that could like come out. It's like a computer game (laughs) and capture the fish. The, oh, there there are so many of those. Hey, my favourite was the, do you read about the angler fish? No. So it's the one that looks like a piranha. But it's got like a little kind of fishing line out the top of its head that has a little bit of bioluminescence on it, which yeah, right. other creatures are attracted to because it's a rare light source. And then as it goes to it, 
it kind of just eats it. But it, it looks like the, the most frightening fish you've ever seen. But when yeah. scientists first discovered it, they realized they're all female. And they're like, why are all these fish female? Where are the males? Mm. But apparently, the, when they looked at its back, there was this little parasite which was just a very, very tiny parasite version of the anglerfish, which was the male. And effectively, reproduction happens by this male just emerging and immersing itself into the female's skin, where it then effectively becomes integrated with the female fish, but it's only the females that come onto an adult. And it's this weird symbiotic relationship between the males and the females and how they kind of procreate. Like, it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. Well, there's quite a like quite a lot of the creatures down there are hermaphroditic for that reason, so they can reproduce with themselves. Essentially. Yes, and do you remember the weed school? So, uh, oh, so I was having a quick read of the animals down there, and I was reading, and I'm like, oh god, this sounds like me as a teenager. So this is the description on one of the websites. Deep sea creatures have jelly-like flesh, unspecialized diets, preferring to sit and wait for food rather than go searching for it. <laughs> they have weak, watery muscles, and because of sparse distribution and lack of light. Finding partners to breed is difficult. And I'm like, look, this is me. <laughs> that is spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Not me at all, mate. Not me at all. Um, nah. it, I saw this little YouTube video where these people were doing a deep sea expedition and they pulled out a fishnet and then they went through all the species and they just casually said, oh, yeah, we've just discovered 68 new species from the deep sea. Yeah. And this is in like 2022. Just a little fishing net can you find so much yeah. undiscovered stuff down there. There'd be so much we don't know, which is kind of cool because you think in 2022 everything's kind of been explored already. It doesn't other than space. Mm. Everything on earth kind of feels like it's been done, but it hasn't. So it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good. Can we for a moment jump away from sea creatures? Yeah. And did you read about the bloop? Yeah, I read a little bit about the bloop, but um Go for it. So, in 1997, uh, there was this very weird noise that they were picking up on their kind of sonar equipment in the ocean. And it was this kind of long, dull, kind of groaning type noise that was being picked up in one area and another area that were 3,000 miles apart, capturing the same noise. And for 15 years, scientists were trying to figure out what this noise was. And there were all kinds of theories about it. I think we should actually play a little bit of the noise. So there's a whole bunch of theories about what that noise was, including an enormous sea creature that was a uh, mystical kind of a thing. <laughs> this is in 97, and that was one of the, <laughs> one of the things we through. Giant sea creature. A mystical sea creature. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in, I reckon in any of these cases, except for UFOs, in any of these other cases, scientists always come in and just ruin the fun. Like Apparently, yeah. they ended up figuring out it was just the sound of an iceberg cracking and breaking away from an Antarctic glacier. That, that's right. what that noise is. That's no fun. Because it was heard like over this radius of like 5,000 kilometers or something. It was it is very, just It just penetrated crazy. so far. Um, yeah. But yeah, just, an, just an, an iceberg cracking. Just an iceberg. <laughs> very annoying. 
what else um what else interested you uh what else well that's about it <laughs> i think i got a couple of last last things yeah so apparently earth is the only planet that has kind of tectonic plates kind of around the core of it mm. and the shifting of those plates and the subduction where one moves over the other not only creates these big trenches but it also has pushed the continental crust out of the water, creating the land that we live on. And so mm. there's like lots of people speculate that if it wasn't for tectonic plates in the earth, life wouldn't exist because everything would still be underwater. And that's um, rare. Most planets they haven't identified have those tectonic plates. So that's why life might be unique to earth in our kind of patch of the universe. So, to my understanding of mountain ranges, and I could be wrong, I haven't looked into this, is the tectonic plates coming together and pushing up, right? And that's how the mountain forms? I think it's both. Is that right? I think, it, they, it's, I think subduction is the plates pushing down into the mantle of the earth. And then mm. I think there's a different process, which is pushing up to create mountain ranges and whatnot. Oh, so it's not tectonic plates. Well, no, it, it probably is. Like, I think it is, but it's just mm. a different term for when it... Because I was just thinking, well, there's... Because there's mountain ranges in, on Mars, so there's not tectonic plates on Mars. What's mm, causing right. those mountains? I think we're both out of our depth. Yep, that's Mars is not my strong. <laughs> so I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna back out right now. Back away, not today, disco lady. <laughs> um, let me see what else I had. Um, oh, this is not not particularly um, fascinating, but I'll give it a shot. All right, we'll just leave it then. <laughs> um, moving on. No, go on. <laughs> so during Apollo 13, as they were crash landing, they kind of jettisoned off this massive generator that was chocked full of plutonium and it landed somewhere in the Pacific Ocean. And apparently it's now sitting there near Tonga, but about six to nine kilometres deep in the ocean. And it's just radioactive and just spewing radioactivity into the ocean for thousands of years to come. Yeah. That's like awful. 25,000 years, yeah, isn't it? that is. Stay radioactive. That's well. pretty yeah. awful. Not good. All righty. Well, I think we've got time for a quick social etiquette segment, so let's have mm-hmm. a crack at that after the theme song. If you've got a social problem that makes you want to run and hide, then we recommend you listen to Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide. Luke and Don's Etiquette Guide. All right, Don. So, social etiquette question for this week mm-hmm. is: Do you know when you go somewhere with a friend or a family member, and it's easier if one of you just buys the thing that you're doing, mm. and there's a bit of a conversation about, "Oh yeah, I'll send you the money." And so, I'm not talking like a coffee or you know anything like that. I'm talking like tickets to a show or something a little bit. More in the medium size. So I had this situation the other day with one of our brothers who we went to the footy together and tickets were way more expensive than I thought. They were like 50 bucks each. And I bought tickets for both of us online. And then our brother said, yep, I'll, uh, I'll fix you up after the game. I said, no worries. I completely forgot about it until today. Mm. And I was like, oh, geez, I could really use that 50 bucks. But I was like, is that, is that too small of an amount to reach out and remind them to send. Where's your cutoff on the dollar figure? I think 50 is a good cutoff. I think 50 in and of itself 
Ah, it's right on the cusp, I reckon. Because I'm, everyone knows it. I'm a tight man. <laughs> and 50, less than 50 bucks, you obviously, you want to get it back. But uh, it's, it's tough on the text, isn't it? It is. What I've, what I've done in the past, if, if I wanted that money back, I'll just send a message. Oh, hey, can't remember if you sent this or not. Sorry if you already have or you that's, know, something like that. That's exactly what I do. I just yeah. play dumb. And if they, I'm never going to argue the case. I'll always accept their answer. But I thought 50 was, maybe I'm even tighter than you. I was thinking, like, if it's over, I was thinking more like 25. Nah, nah. 25 is too little. Like, if you went and had a game of golf with someone. Yep. And you just happened to have your wallet out first at the counter. And the guy said, Hey, taking both of these, mate? And then you... <laughs> you, you, Yep, I'll, I'll pay both of these. And the guy, yeah, I'll fix you up. So you've spent 50 bucks on a morning's golf instead of 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't ask for that. You couldn't ask for that. For that small amount, you try and get it back next time you play. Ah, gotcha. Yep, yep, yep. Like they'll pay the next time. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's that's for that kind of small amount, you can't badger them about that. Yeah, that, that, that's a critical point though. When there is like a... You're doing it regularly And it's like You take turns Yeah That's easily that's handled okay. like, yeah, yeah. When when the Midnight Oil came out To Canberra All the brothers Except for you All the good brothers Were going to go <laughs> And And so I bought There was like a mate in there You know My partner went And so it was costing me Like 650 bucks To buy all these tickets And then our brother Christian was coming over And he never mentioned The money at all It's like 125 bucks and I'm like, I don't know how to mention it. I kind of want the money back. What's going on? And so I never mentioned it. And then it was the night of the gig and we all got extremely wet and it got cancelled because of storms. Are you like, and this so doesn't to- null and void the, the money? <laughs> no, no, because I got the money back. So I'm like, well, that solves that issue. Great. <laughs> it just got deposited back into my, to my credit card. But That's- I don't know because he's from overseas. I think it's a bit harder to transfer money if it's overseas. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. True. So it's a tough one. When you get stitched up though, buying like seven tickets to an event, and you're forking out six hundred and fifty bucks, there's yeah. there's always a party that's like, oh, what would have to be me? This is this is really interrupting my cash flow for the fortnight. I know. <laughs> I, was just, I was just like, oh god, it's general admission. Couldn't you just buy your own? Like, <laughs> it's not like we're getting seats together. Exactly. <laughs> it is one of the toughest moves in the business though. Is is sending that little reach out text saying, ah, oh, I thought. You know, I wasn't sure if you'd paid it. If you have no dramas, that's a hard text to send. I reckon there almost needs to be an annual day each year where it's either like okay to ask, or like sometimes I feel like just messaging everyone in my address book and saying, "If I owe you money, please let me know. I want to know, and I want to, I want to repay. I don't want you stewing on it. I just, I've genuinely forgotten." <laughs> Well, we had to pay for something in the band that I'm in and everyone had to pay and I just forgot. And so the subtle way um, this guy came up with it, he goes in the group chat, thanks everyone for contributing except for Don. <laughs> <laughs> it was very That's funny. That's excellent. <laughs> so I think we're saying in summary, the dollar amount probably lies... You know, it, it, it probably sits closer to 50 than I would like it to sit is uh, is probably the key takeout. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's about it. <laughs> and that is another social etiquette segment. Quick. I did just remember one thing. You know, uh, like a running list of, this is nothing to do with this social etiquette segment at all. Mm. 
a little bit to do with that first topic of deep sea. Um, you know, we've got like a running list of words that are just fun to say. Oh, yeah. Or the classic words. Lozenge. I think I've got one to add to the list. Go for it. It is easily the funnest country name to say. Guam. Oh, Guam is nice. Oh, Guam. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Guam. You could say Guam all day. It is beautiful. That is a nice that's word. That's Guam. On the list. When I was, because that's where the Marianas Trench is near Guam. Yeah. When I was writing my notes, I wrote Guam and then in brackets, I just wrote, that's fun to say. Guam. It's a, oh, can we say it's a, we'd say it's Guam amazing. It's absolutely Guam amazing. All right. Well, thanks for listening. And don't forget to put your reviews in if you want to uh, book a feature. a feature in the room with a review segment next yep. week. <laughs> Can't believe, can't believe I'm saying that out loud. Okay. Room with, room a, with review. a review. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, it'd be much appreciated. And otherwise, I guess uh, we will catch you next time. All right. Love you. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.